this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello. I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hey, hey, we're back with another deep cut from our archives. It's a movie we covered way back in May of 2016. It was commissioned by Dr. DeVito, and it's currently celebrating its 20th anniversary of being weird and fucked up. Ah, you must be referring to Donnie Darko. That's right. Before Jake Gyllenhaal herded sheep that one summer up on Brokeback. Before he almost flash froze in Day After Tomorrow. Before you heard Hugh Jackman's faint whistle in Prisoners. And way before he baffled Spider-Man with his illusions as Mysterio. He played a troubled teenager haunted by a spooky rabbit named Frank. And that teenager's name, Donnie Darko. This is an extremely interesting film that spawned an extremely interesting conversation by the nature of time travel, wormholes, destiny. It's got a morbid, disturbing tone and atmosphere. And we're still not sure if all the pieces for understanding this film are present in the actual film itself, so you might have to explore some DVD inserts or do some deep diving on message boards to fully get it. Regardless, the film has been expanding minds and creeping people out for 20 years now. It's been a long time since we talked about it, so here it is again if you missed it the first time. Or, you know, if you're looking for something unsettling to experience again this close to Halloween, either way, we hope you enjoy this re-release of a modern-day cult classic. And I find it kind of funny, I find it kind of sad, the dreams in which I'm dying are the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you, I find it hard to take, when people run in circles, it's a Welcome to another commission podcast for Bald Move. Uh, this time we are talking about the 2001 sci-fi fantasy, I'm going to call it. Donnie Darko uh, is commissioned by Dr. Brandon DeVito, who I always want to call Danny DeVito. It's just, it's habit. Brandy. What can I do? Brandy DeVito. Dr. Brandy DeVito uh, commissioned this one. He, he kind of gave us a big list of movies and said, pick one. And then I think he came back later and said, you know what? The community kind of wants Donnie Darko. I want Donnie well, Darko. Well, I, I just laid it. it out to him. Like, you know, because we've got two types of casts. We've got mm-hmm. the, like, jokey, reminiscing, you know, who knows where it'll go, but it's probably going to be funny and shallow uh, nostalgia reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've got, like, the fucking pseudo-philosophical mind blow. <laughs> like, oh, man, wouldn't it be cool if... Right. Stoner-type podcasts. Uh, and I said... If you pick, like, what was it, Robocop or, or Space, Starship Troopers, Starship yeah. Troopers, you're probably going to get the nostalgia cast. If you go yeah. Donnie Darko, I hadn't seen it. Uh, You'd right. seen it once a long time ago. And I said, just yeah. talking from Jim, it seems like it's going to be one of those other podcasts. And yeah. apparently he prefers the, you know, as, a, as an adventurer, philosopher, and dentist himself, he prefers the... Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> he yeah. He prefers the, uh, the, the, the weird ones. Those so. dentists known for their philosophy. Yeah. They're the, they're the, um, they're, they're always the, like, uh, whatever the, 
I'm what I'm saying. Like, you know, you got a branch of whatever military and there's always mm-hmm. like, you know, the the snipers, they're like the weirdos and nobody I think that's the dentist in the medical world. Yeah. They're warrior poets. Yeah, there you go. That's what I was trying to get at. <laughs> they're like the yeah, like warlocks mm-hmm. of the of the order. Uh so yeah, we uh and and this is a fucking weird film. I was not prepared for in you fact, can't we, really be prepared for it. Uh, and these notes that I made look like the scrawlings of a madman. But mm-hmm. so we actually punted. We were supposed to do this last week, and I saw this. I'm like, "There's no fucking way I can talk yeah. about this movie in like 48 hours." I need to watch hours. it again. I need to research. I, I there's to... all these books that are referenced in the film, right. and I a lot of them are short stories or little pamphlet things. So I was like, "Okay, we need to let, let's reset." So we did the Goonies, which was one of the former the nostalgia casts. And pretty now, easy to do the Goonies. Pretty easy to do. I could have probably done that with not seeing it. I ended up watching yep. it twice and got my son roped into it. But yep. we're talking about Donnie Darko, man. This was directed and written by Richard Kelly, who he was like 26, 27 when he did this thing. He's only a 40. He's my age. He's like 41 right now. I think he's the guy that plays Harry Stamper, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, he also directed a movie called Southland Tales, which you said is yet another it's, time it's Doug travel. Stamper. I don't know why I said Harry. Harry Stamper? Doug Stamper from House of Cards. It's Danny Stamper. And Douglas DeVito. <laughs> uh, and he also wrote an, an, another one called The Box, which... So I, I did some research, and I went to a lot of forum threads, and there are some Richard Kelly fans, because he hasn't done a lot since. Mm-hmm. And some people say that like they really like Southland Tales, because it's another kind of bizarro... Donnie Darko, and it seems like people don't know what to make of the box. Okay, uh, so I kind of want to see both of these now. But what did you? What do you think of? What What do you think of uh, this Donnie Darko movie? Uh, so I, I was in that same box with everybody else, going, "What the fuck did I just watch?" When I first saw it, I was probably i don't know 20 early 20s at the time oh, wow. that i saw it because it was just out on dvd and i picked it up and uh and it blew my mind i didn't know what to make of it mm-hmm. um i knew obviously that it was either some kind of time travel or delusional story i honestly thought it had more to do with some kind of psychosis given like how much he he was being medicated and like uh-huh. these weird visions with frank the bunny um yeah, it's funny because I put in my notes like in the first 10 minutes, like I'm seeing the debate between is this real or is this all in his head coming a mile away? Right. Although I don't feel that way now. I feel N- no. The, once you dig in a little bit, uh, uh-huh. people have dug all the way in on this movie. Right. Um, and after watching it a second time, I still felt uh, definitely confused. Uh-huh. But we watched the director's cut, which yeah. actually explains quite a bit more. It has passages from the philosophy of time travel. I wish I could. So. I I thought this movie was great. Um, I wish I could have seen the theatrical cut first to have even more like a what the fuck. That's what I saw the first time. Yeah. Because I feel like if you wa- if you watch the directors, there's a couple movies that like you can debate endlessly. I feel like this movie is more along the lines of Inception, where you I think there is a answer here. Yes, and it's fairly cogently laid out, even though it seems like holy shit. When it, and and there's a lot of stuff that just is like you got to accept that this is kind of weird science. Yes, but it's internally consistent. It seems yeah, uh, like Inception. So I feel like I you know I went in watching Inception first time. Like man, I probably got to watch this movie ten times and still not be able to figure it out. But then by the third watch, I'm like, nope, I got this figured out. Uh-huh. I feel the same way about Donnie Darko, but if I had started with the theatrical release, it seems like it'd be a lot harder. And conversely, I think the director's cut has everything you need to figure it out. 
I think so. Yeah. You'd have um, to watch it maybe four or five times to get it down. But I kind of feel cheated when I went online and did the research and someone has essentially done all that and said, this is exactly how the movie tracks. It's kind right. of like, but imagine if you were one of those people doing that research along alongside fun, yeah. the movie, right? Like yeah. piecing it all together, figuring it out. Um, it reminded me much more of Memento where that's a, that's a movie that's a little bit uh, harder to figure out and there's a little bit, maybe more room for debate, but it's very rewarding. And I was, I was kind of on the ground floor of that where this, it's like, I got all this stuff renovated. So it's like, Oh man, this would have been fun to puzzle out on my own. But Mm -hmm. so, I mean, that's, that's the thing. If you haven't seen this movie and you're just listening to the podcast, I would suggest going and watching it at least once before, before you get the full explanation, because we're going to give it here. Yeah. I mean, we're going to lay it all out for you and all the mysteries will be resolved here. And and this is yet another one that you really should watch without any prep going into it. And it's everything is like, this isn't like, it is one of those niche movies like Memento where it's a good chance if you missed it back in its day, you probably maybe never heard of it or gotten around to it. I thought this was a horror film. Oh, really? That's one of the reasons okay. I never got around to seeing it, because I don't... That's cover, not my favorite genre, but it looks yeah. like it's a horror film, and it's called Donnie Darko. It definitely does, yeah. So, Which might be why I glommed onto it. And right. Was like, and you were like, oh, I wanted shit, to see this. this. Yeah. And then my mind was blown, and it became somewhat of a cult classic for me. I know for other people, it is way, mo- way more so. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, I don't know about people who, like, I don't, are there people that, like, we talk about Fight Club, where they base their life philosophies on this film, because it's, surely not, it's, this film's got nothing to really base your life principles on. Uh, I don't, I don't know, I mean, like, I can philosophy see. philosophy is contained in here? Uh... There, there's a lot about like fear and futility and choice and dying like, alone just ton tons of like philosophical there's, ideas there's exploration of themes but no nothing like there's no like After, right yeah like what tool do you take out of this to put in your life toolbox like yeah. it's if you've that's the thing like i feel like the younger you are and the less you've seen yep. cinema and and television this is just like i can't even imagine being a 20 something and seeing this and like oh if this is like the first heavy film you've scene yeah it was pretty close to that for me it wasn't exactly life-changing but it was i i felt like i identified with this movie in a way especially donnie darko because of like the way he kind of saw through all the bullshit yeah i was just like yeah yeah man Uh you're right uh now i don't come down i guess in the same place that donnie darko does uh, on that whole thing. And I can see that because if you're in your mid twenties, you're just like, you know, you just gotten out of the religion experience. And I bet you did yeah. feel like the only sane man in a room full of crazy people. Sometimes many times sure. it had to have. Yeah. Like I can't even imagine like I'm going to pass around this wine and it's supposed to be representative of what, but no? even just sitting in a room, having conversations with people, yeah. it's like, Holy, I, that still blows my mind about your covert atheism. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Donnie Darko hit me in a, a certain spot that I'm sure, sure it hits a lot of a lot of young people, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, uh, he's, when, he's when they're just trying to figure stuff. out the world, figure out yeah. uh, life and how to live it. Yeah, uh, and that's that's one of the themes that I feel is pretty strong in this movie. But let's talk about the plot a little bit. Yeah. Okay. You want to go there first? Oh, I I don't no, know. I figured probably, we should get that out of the way because it's the most straightforward part of the movie. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Okay. At, at, on some level. So, uh, so there's this website, donnydarko.org.uk, mm-hmm. that you can go to, which basically lays the whole thing out. They've got it all sorted out. They've got the philosophy of time travel up there, chapter yeah. by chapter, uh, verbatim. 
and they kind of go over it in a cliff notes sort of way and say, here's what all this means, right? Like each chapter they take, uh, the, <laughs> the manipulated dead or the manipulated living or living receiver. They take all those mm-hmm. things and they break them down. The artifact. Yeah. So where do you want to start? Start with maybe the, think, the universes. So I think you start in the beginning, which is this film opens with Donnie Darko being awoken at night by a vision of an evil rabbit. Yep. And he's spared minutes before a jet engine comes out of nowhere and crushes his bed and which should have yeah. killed him. He's and, pulled out of bed by the rabbit telling him like, yes, sl- making him sleepwalk. Yes. And we've learned and we learn that, you know, you think this is going to be like, well, this is going to be a, a breaking bad situation. There's an airliner down somewhere uh but no there is no recorded loss of any airplane this jet engine just flew out of nowhere uh and then donnie darko was told by these evil rabbit visions that he has 28 days before the world ends yeah and what we come to appreciate is that this event has spawned a pocket universe uh apart from a real universe where donnie darko should have died yeah and he has 28 days to get this jet engine back to the point of the time rupture or our real universe will be destroyed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And life manipulates a bunch of events to steer. I mean, it's a, it's a long chain of causality that gets him into the place where he is both ready, has the materials needed and has the the I guess life attitude because he almost has willing to to make the choice. He's, he's a Christ figure in that he has to die so that literally everyone in the universe can uh, live. That's uh, debatable. That's debatable. That's super, debatable. Super debatable. And I, I kind of want to debate it uh, at the end. But, okay. But yeah, that's the basic premise is the tangent universe is created and he is trying to put, put it back because it's very unstable. Apparently like yeah. this artifact that comes through the jet engine. Uh-huh. Um, apparently it's duplicate and there's, some very weird stuff that's happening. Like there's a guy in a red coat with a flashlight and you're like, what the fuck is he doing here? There's uh-huh. no context, but yeah, I guess it turns out that guy's from the FAA and that they are investigating. They, they are investigating this jet engine because it's an exact duplicate of a fight flight that landed safely. Yes. So like this artifact from the primary universe is coming to the tangent universe uh-huh. and they're like, why are there two of this exact same thing here? Yeah. And they're trying to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know where to go. So uh, the here. the at at one point. So in the middle of the film, Donnie is given this book by his teacher Noah Wiley. Uh, that right. is the philosophy of time travel, mm-hmm. which is written by this Regina character long a long time ago who was a nun, and she outlines that fact that you know occasionally time gets ripped and you have these pocket these these transient universes what did you call it tangent universe, tangent universe yep. and that the key to time travel is water and metal right. and that the herald of a fact that you're in a tangent universe is the presence of artifact and she lists mm-hmm. like um a native american brave who was standing by a cliff and was pierced through the heart by an arrow when there was no army in sight uh, a medieval knight that gets a sword thrust through his chest uh, again, with no battle nearby, uh, and that when that happens, you uh, there's a random selection of a living receiver. Mm-hmm. That it's his job to get this artifact back to the rift in time, and that these rifts last for a matter of weeks. And, and then, then that living receiver may or may not be randomly chosen based on proximity to the rifts. Yeah, there's there's no concrete information, and yeah. that the. There's there's two classes: a manipulated living and a manipulated dead. The manipulated dead 
die in this tangent universe. Yeah, anyone who dies in a tangent universe becomes manipulated dead. And they're able to communicate to the living trans... This seems, this sounds I know. like fucking well, mad bonkers I, stuff. I'm, so, does, so does fucking Jesus resurrecting yeah, himself sure. in, in a... Okay. Like, you have to view this as a philosophy as time, of time travel as the Bible, right? Like, let's say the Bible were about time travel. Yeah. And it's true. And so Regina's Moses and... Th- so that's the thing, I guess, as an atheist, I kept rebelling against because... Okay. It's like a relatively hard sci-fi concept, but mm-hmm. they're wanting me to just take a lot of this stuff on the basis of faith. And oh, it all yeah. comes down to suspension of disbelief, and in my case... But if you if you can't get past that, there's no there there because this right. is just a, a five year old making up a story. You know, and now you I got four shields. Screen, Why do you have four shields? Because I need them. Yeah. I'm being, you know, and, but but what you see on the screen in uh-huh. this movie does tell you that this is real. So, like, in, in this universe, I've, I'm going with it, you know, well, or he's a schizophrenic and it's happening all in his head. Uh, I think that's let's harder save that, to justify. Let's save that debate. Let's okay. save that debate. Sure. Because I think so, too, but I'm going to, I guess I'll take the con side. Okay. Uh, so these manipulated dead have the ability to appear to him in visions and nightmares and dreams to influence him. And mm-hmm. uh, the manipulated, manipulated living unconsciously do and set up events to cause this insurance trap. Which is the yeah. universe's way to ensure that the living receiver makes it back so it doesn't get destroyed. It kind of stacks the deck in its favor. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the living receiver is granted superpowers. Yeah. A super strength, the ability to manifest fire and water and telekinesis. And at first, I'm like, what the fuck? But the second time I watched the movie, he clearly manifests every one of those powers. Right. In the causality loop that is part of the insurement trap that he gets back to the place where he can put the artifact back. Yeah. Um, so, for example, uh, the reason he is willing to, I guess, sacrifice himself is because he falls in love with this girl. Mm-hmm. But he uses his power of water to flood the school. So school's closed. The next day he meets the girl at the bus stop and has a conversation where they begin dating. Yeah. Uh, what was the other thing? He does the axe and he the, burns down Cunningham's house. Well, but wait, house. before that, he puts the axe in the bulldog, which makes the lady at school go crazy because he uses super strength to do. He uses super yeah. strength to embed this into a solid bronze bulldog. Uh-huh. And these acts of vandalism combined make the phys ed teacher, who's this kind of like a Scientology, oh, like this health teacher. Yeah, I think it's a gym teacher. But they also because in my school, gym teacher also is the health teacher. Uh, that was also, yeah, that was true in my school. Uh, Gilberti. Uh-huh. Gilberti was the guy. Oh, yeah, I know Gilberti. Uh, <laughs> you probably got along with Gilberti, didn't you? Yeah, 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 Gilberti, he told us a story about being on a date oh, yeah, and that, eating that, mozzarella that, that Italian sticks. bond. Right. That, that right. Sicilian, you know, Omerta. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I was more concerned with the, the girls sitting next to me in health class than actually learning anything, though. Man, Gilberti, so, Gilberti wore the tightest fucking shirts. He did, yeah. And man, well, when, he was ripped. I mean, he was jacked. That's Why not? the thing. But like, did you ever? <laughs> did you ever think that like he uh, turned it up when there? And I never thought of it at the time. But it feels like he turned it up around the teenage girls. You think so? Yeah, I felt like he was he was kind of you know flexing. He was like, yeah, he was. He'd sit in his health yeah. chair and flex all yeah all period. Yeah, like some dudes are up there talking to him. He's like, you know, whatever. And then some girl, he's just flexing. Why he's teaching high school, man? I, I'm just saying. maybe Gilberti had a 
I never. I don't want to. I don't want to because I never heard any hint of impropriety. Maybe Gilberti was a Cunningham. Maybe he was uh, had some vices going on. Yeah, could be. Could be. But <laughs> I, don't I don't think know. so. I don't want to slander the man. He just fle- he just liked to look. He, he, he's uh, flexing. He had to flex around. Okay. The opposite sex. That was his code. Um, anyway, flex around the opposite sex. That's a, that's the tool you can put by. in your life life toolbox. <laughs> Uh, Jesus. But yeah, no, she uh, goes crazy and brings in the Scientologist mm-hmm. uh, who Donnie Darko rails against, burns down his house, which leads the police to investigate and find child pornography, which leads that health teacher to have to uh, spend all of her money on a legal defense fund because she's in a fucking cult, which makes her unable to take Sparkle Motion, the cheerleading dance squad, to the finals, which makes Donnie Darko's mother have to get on the plane that's going over the time rip so Donnie can... Pull the engine off it. Meanwhile, his girlfriend gets killed by the other manipulated dead, the bunny face guy, Frank, which causes him to kill him and then be comfortable with the fact that he could die alone so that he can make the sacrifice. That is fucking crazy. Yeah, no, it's a uh, it's it's a very loopy type movie. You you like the manipulated dead are particularly uh, in that camp because they're killed later in the movie, and they are they go back to the beginning of the movie. Yes, where we see first see them and meet them. Yes. Uh, and manipulate everything from there. Except for I don't know that I know that Gretchen is a manipulated dead. I don't know how she manipulates him. That's I'm, the thing. Yeah. But but there's there there's also something about there's like uh, overt and subvert or subversive control, hmm. like that. The Frank was the one that was the directly manipulative, and the other one is more of like so. There's one that's directly manipulating, and there's one that's providing the motivation. Okay. So it could be that Gretchen just didn't need to do anything. Yeah, she just needed to look like. Or also the other way I interpreted it is that Gretchen, maybe she was appearing in dreams or his cycle, his psyche somehow that we didn't uh, directly notice, but we noticed that Donnie Darko is obsessed with sex, which Uh feels like something. I mean, I know I was a teenage boy, right? I did. I had inappropriate boners 24 seven mastered the waistband tuck masturbated in front of your uh, therapist. therapist. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, made her super uncomfortable. It's it's so hot. (laughs) How can you, how can you resist? But um, I wonder if Gretchen wasn't somehow making him so girl crazy that it would make him even more susceptible to falling in love with her. Uh, yeah, I I forget exactly how like their interactions. I was so focused on so much of the other plot in this movie, right? That I didn't like look at the intricacies of how they interact. No, that's the thing. And that's, that's the only reason I'm thinking of this is because though that was one of the major questions. Like if Gretchen is manipulated dead and I know she is, then how did she actually manipulate him? Also do Frank and Gretchen know of each other? Um, because maybe her role in it is to get Frank killed so that he can be the bunny that goes back and gets Donnie Darko to do what he needs. But she was alive when, if, if she manipulated, Oh, Oh, so maybe she was appearing to Frank the whole time when he was still alive? No, I, I don't even mean appearing to Frank, but I, like, I don't it's feel like, her death that yeah. causes Frank to die, right? Sure. So maybe it was her job to maneuver Donnie Darko into a place where she dies 
where where she's fallen for, or he's fallen for her and yeah. she dies. But if the manipulated dead have the ability to appear to him in dreams and visions, she never exercised that ability. No, she didn't. But so, Frank does. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's just weird that I guess it seems like that's something that just so to make the plot a little bit more obscure. Because mm-hmm. uh, if they're both doing it, then I feel like it's like QED when you get to the end of the movie. Although I don't know, I don't know how anyone figures this out the first go. Right. I, I don't know that you can. It's, it's designed especially to... Especially theatrical cut. It's yeah, but so I, I like it unlike that, uh, you know, these, this is the type of movie I like versus the usual suspects that I don't, in that when I watched the second time through, like, everything seemed like it fitted. It wasn't like some bullshit revelation at the end where it's like, oh, yeah. no, but it's like all this stuff is working. Now, there's a couple other questions I don't know. Um, this Regina character, the... Uh, what they call her? Crazy hair? Devil hair lady? Death uh, Grandma Death. Grandma Death. Yeah. That's what it was. Was she a living transceiver? So how does she know? I think she's Donna this Darko. Information. Uh, so, so there's a lot of In- speculation. How does she know this information? I, I think now is a good time to talk about whether or not the living receiver has to die. Okay. In order to, to reconverge these tangent universes. Um, or, or now, these before, before we begin, let's, let's, let's make sure we're working from the same assumptions. Okay. Based on living or reading the philosophy of time travel, do you agree that the historical examples that she gives, the living transceivers died? Yes. I do, too. And we know Donnie Darko died. Yeah. Which means of all the living transceivers we know of, three for three has died. Right. Now, I'm going to speculate that she is also a living receiver. That's what I think, fr- too. From the past. And and her ability to write this book, Philosophy of Time Travel, uh-huh. uh, as Roberta Sparrow instead of Grandma Death, uh-huh. uh, is is caused by that. Like, she's she only can write that book because she's experienced it. But you are assuming and that based on herself. information not presented in the film, right? Well, I'm also assuming it because I, Donnie Darko doesn't have to die here. I don't. It think. does seem like he could have gotten out of bed, yeah. and he had the knowledge, yeah. But he was so moved by the like the cosmic absurdity at the moment, and the fact that he had made peace that he didn't feel the need to. And I think it's also to, I think Donnie Darko so is uh, someone who's very having a very hard time dealing with the realities of existence, the the realities of being a human in this universe. Right. Uh, And I think in the end, he makes the choice to die because he doesn't want to, he he can't deal with it, which I thought was so, that was so chilling about the mad world song, which I previously had been the, uh, the gears of war, uh, gears of war trailer song, but, previously right but, but now that you. i've seen this it's going to be forever overwritten because the lyric you can't help it the yeah. lyric that uh the dreams i have of dying are the best i've ever had uh-huh. like i got the distinct feeling that donnie's last four weeks where he had these superpowers he felt in control of his life he fell in love with this girl was the first time in a long time that he felt like he belonged and made sense and, and, it, and it, everything made sense. He and, had a purpose, right? And I if mean, he, he was going to save the universe. And if he bails out and lives, then he goes back to normal yeah. and none of this stuff is going to happen to him again. So it's mm-hmm. like, that's the, it's, you know, uh, it's, it's funny and it's sad and that's exactly the reaction he had at the end. So yeah. it could be that this religious experience you undergo as a living receiver makes it so that you are, if not, I don't know if you you call it suicidal, 
but it's like there's nothing I can. I, something You're never moves the same. you to allow your death to happen, and I don't know why yeah, Regina Sparrow it, is different. Well, with Roberta, it's Roberta, <laughs> she, I, I feel like she had the same experience, and she came away from it uh, as a survivor of it, and that's what kind of drove her mad. Is like that sense of I had my my one moment of purpose, and now yeah. the rest of it is so futile, so yeah. so absurd and ridiculous, and like. Yeah. Look at all the horrible shit that's going on around me, and I'm powerless to stop any of it. What? So why didn't she allow herself to die? Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's not explored in the movie. I mean, this is all yeah, these, canon. Yeah, these are things that you cannot determine from the movie. It's and that's yeah. why I wanted to explore why you thought it because I I distinctly thought the same thing, but I almost suspect it's just because my brain wants there to be a reason for this to have happened. So I think the two things that that stand out to me as clues to uh, Roberta Sparrow's origins are she wrote this book. So she either had this information passed to her or she has firsthand knowledge. I choose to go with firsthand knowledge um, that drove her mad. And also, like I said before, Donnie Darko choosing not to die or could, could have chosen not to die, Uh which to me says that someone else who's living receiver in the past may have in fact chosen not to die. So why wouldn't that be Roberta Sparrow who wrote the book? Like, it's not it's not super solid. I don't think it's conclusive. But that's if she had that experience, I though, I think she would put that in the living trance. She would have put like she would have given an example of well, some. The forward is she, like or that. she could say something like, "Well, you could have a choice to live or die, and that choice is yours, and it doesn't impact the universe." That would have been useful information to have if you're Donnie Darko. Yeah, the other thing I, is, I think so. The, the, this book did not help Donnie Darko do anything. I don't think. Well, here's the, the universe thing, the, would have manipulated really? him regardless. Yeah, I think it helped him figure out that he was supposed to be doing something in the first place. But I think he, he had would any have, kind of goal. Those things, Frank was making sure that those events were going to happen regardless of him being aware of what was happening or not. I I don't know. I think the stuff he's seeing um, with like the abyss effects, the James Cameron uh-huh. uh, coming out of your chest, the God's path sort uh-huh. of thing. I think oh, that's, that's the other all thing. That's, a consequence of him reading this book and figuring this out. That was the only thing that was not an organic chain when Frank led him to the gun, which he needed to kill Frank. Uh-huh. That was everything else was a single causality loop, but that was a second causality loop. Um, what? What about the abyss effect? Do you think suggests? I think that's reflective of him starting to understand, like it's symbolic of him starting to understand this universe that he's in. This, this chain universe. of cars. Yeah. This, this people's lines of fate or whatever they are. Yeah. Right. Well, more so than that, like, but I don't think he needed to book for that. I, I think he does for really? him to understand it himself. Well, then what did the native American and what did the medieval knight do? Like, did they have a similar book? I don't know. Is Roberta and so is Roberta? It's possible that their tangent universe. Well, no, they do have artifacts in their right. tangent universe. So is Roberta? Is she part of the manipulated living in that uh, this this causality tr- loop caused her to write this book? For like, I'm almost wondering if she, if the unit, one part of the uh, piece that the book doesn't contain is that the universe or God or whatever is looking out for everyone because it seems like there is some kind of supernatural force that is. Or maybe it's a universal constant that makes time kind of heal itself. But do you think that that's part of it, too? That there's always um, there's a living narrator that his job is to have an inspiration to write this Mm. stuff down? Because she puts in a forward that the reason I maybe don't think she's gone through this is because she says this is something that's essentially like inspired. And I hope to God it remains fiction 
But if it ever becomes real, I'm I'm writing it down. Uh, so she like, why say would remains she... fiction? She is. I can read you the forward. Okay, yeah, you you got it up. Tell me so what it says. It says this. This intent of this short book is for it to be used as a simple and direct guide in a time of great danger. I pray that it is merely a work of fiction. If it is not, then I pray for you, the reader of this book. If I'm still alive when the events foretold in these pages occur, then I hope that you will find me before it is too late. So, so yeah, you're right. That's pretty ambiguous. It is. It's fairly ambiguous. Um, you know, my my choice here, and whether or not I even have that choice is up for debate, but <laughs> the way I'm interpreting it is that she has been through this, and this idea that you will find me before it's too late. Uh, she clearly wrote this book at, you know, right after she discovered of it. However, she discovered this tangent universe. Yeah, there's a relevation or whether time it was travel. something that she experienced herself. Right. Uh, she clearly wrote it before she she went mute and insane like the uh and she's assuming that she will be herself for the years to come right uh-huh. and that they can find her and that she will be able to tell them what's happening well that's the other thing is like i feel like i discount some of these warnings because donnie darko never did confide in her so right. nothing well she did but whisper, through this book i mean that's she did say everyone dies alone to him which might have contributed to the mental state he needed to be in to make the supreme sacrifice when does she die does she die in the tangent universe is she one of the living or one of the manipulated dead or does she die after that does wait i think she, she dies after yeah yeah there's this this well, does she die in the Mad World montage? Is yeah. She, is, so that's after the I, universe. I think is she does. I think that's when it happens. So I, I'm not sure. Um, that's just the headcanon I'm operating under. I don't know that this this is left vague on purpose, right? Uh-huh. So so many of these things, like there's there's clearly a mythology here, um, but it's not super fleshed out. Okay. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like it doesn't. It's one of those things where it's kind of like the Big Bang is the point where it's like you can't you can't really peer beyond that point. Your science, yeah. your your ability to detect information is limited there. And I feel like this is the edge of the known universe. So this is the point of the Big Bang where there's not enough information within the books, which is outside the movie or the movie itself, to, to tell what how Roberta got this information, whether she was a living receiver. It's something you can debate, but ultimately it doesn't affect the meaning of the movie. It's just the point at which you have to start speculating and choosing what to believe rather than the movie actually telling you what to believe. Sure. Yeah. Uh, that's the same way that was whether Donnie had to die or not. If, if all the living historical living manipulators had died, then that would say that he had to. But if you believe that Roberta is a living transceiver that survived, then obviously not. And I yeah. just don't, I don't feel like there's a way to resolve that debate. Unlike, you know, sure. we mentioned the six cents is solvable. Uh, I well, think exception solvable, right? And it's so far outside the realm of of what we know as reality that there's no contextual clues you can really use outside of the film to say this is what would have happened or this is how it goes down. <laughs> so I, yeah, I mean, everybody's free to come up with their own interpretation, I guess, of the of the end of this movie. Yeah. What do you think? So why did Noah Wiley? after giving him the book and being game to talk about this time travel stuff and he's part of the manipulated living. So everything he's doing is subconsciously moving Donnie Darko to his end goal. Why did he then nervously break off contact at the end of the movie? 
Uh, I mean, clearly that was the that was his destiny, right? He that was the thing he had to do to get Donnie. But further how down did path. that how did that work in that favor? Because it seems like the what I don't know. what Donnie needed is for him to continue to play. Like, well, if you're, you know, like, I well, f- clearly not because it works, right? Yeah. Like, right. So I'm saying, maybe like, if he had he had been there to to talk it through with him, something doesn't go right later on. Yeah. And I feel like Who the knows? Destructors, them reading the Destructors was vital. I don't... I read that book, that I did short too. story. Yeah, because it was, it's only 17 pages. It's pretty good. It's, it's, you can, it's free. I don't know whether it's uh, in the public domain or what, but it's widely available uh, yeah. places for free. And I, you know, I largely agree with the analysis that Donnie Darko gave. That's the thing it. I was kind of disappointed because the movie yeah. essentially contains what I would call the Cliff Notes version. Like yeah. what you need to tell your English teacher to pass the destructors test right uh, the girl got it completely wrong she clearly didn't read it sure uh well that's donnie yeah. donnie just says it's destruction as a form of creation right know? right which is is right ties into what he's doing that he's essentially by saving the universe he's arguably like a, that's an act of creation mm-hmm. the negation of destruction is an act of creation right by the transitive property uh it, but the other thing the english teacher said that was significant but i don't understand is when she said cellar door or was that gretchen it might have been Gretchen. Fuck, I maybe for, that I, was something that Gretchen did that led him. But he said, "Cellar." It's the most beautiful word. Oh no, that was her in the English language. That was the English teacher. Yeah, that's Drew Barrymore. What the fuck does that mean? I have no idea. No idea. Is it an anagram? Is it? Is I don't. It like, but that's the thing. Like, I feel like there there are still mysteries to uncover in this film, right? So, but I, I don't know if I'm the guy to do it. I'm just saying that, like, and also. I have the director himself it. has said a bunch of things where he's implied that like he didn't really even have all this stuff tracked out, mm. which I don't believe. Like, I don't believe you can sit down yeah. and write this movie and not be a, an actual intention. Now, you could say that shit because your intention is for people to figure out it themselves. Sure. But I don't believe he honestly just made a movie about a creepy time travel and... You know, I don't know. Yeah, I was surprised. Speaking of Noah Wiley and Drew Barrymore, how many famous people are in this? Like, right? Patrick Swayze is a child molester. Seth Rogen is a douchebag high school asshole. Like, it's it surprised me to see yeah. all these famous faces. Probably in fresh it. off of Freaks and Geeks. Pretty close to it. Probably, yeah, you know, pretty close to that time. Yeah, that's the thing. Like this, this version of America, I don't think exists anywhere. Um, it takes like the worst part and then a lot of movies do like American beauty it takes like the worst, most banal parts of suburban life and throws them all together. Like you've got the family who seems like it's a well-meaning nuclear family that everyone is just dysfunctional. You've got yeah. kids doing cocaine in high school, <laughs> right? Like uh, I, that says something about the socioeconomic status of this. And they're going to a place that requires uniforms. It's like I all these people are well exists. off. Yeah. I, I how do you afford to do coke in, in high school? I know some people who did coke in high school. Really? Yeah. Like I didn't. I uh, in my high school, lots of weed. Not in my imagine. high school, but people I met afterward oh. who have told me stories. How did they get the money for coke? That seems like an expensive. Uh, you know, you you start you get a job when you're in high school, maybe like yeah. an after school. I don't know. And you're just dropping eighty bucks or, on an eight ball every weekend. Yeah. Not not every weekend. I don't okay. think they were like. <laughs> but I'm know, saying these it, people were were snorting coke in school. It wasn't Studio 54 here. Like <laughs> it, it was just like a once once in a while thing. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. 
Uh, who are the, the other f- famous people? George uh, Bush, Michael Dukakis. Well, yeah. This movie is, I, I but, also assumed that this Roslin? was... President Roslin? President Roslin uh, was there. Whose name I don't remember. Yeah. I, I assumed also that this movie was set in contemporary to its times in the 90s. It's actually set in the 80s. Right. It's right. a period piece. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal also in this. And the Gyllenhaal and They gave twins. you both Gyllenhaal barrels, man. They played the real life siblings, which I thought was cute. Yeah, and Jenny Malone, I've seen her in a lot of stuff as Gretchen. Um, mm-hmm, sure. She's good. I like her. Uh, Would you be shocked if I told you there was a sequel to this movie? Yeah, I'd know. S. Darko. Right. It's universally reviled. So I hear. I've never seen it. It's It's the story of... Samantha, the youngest sister, mm-hmm. who is slightly grown up now, and she was a Sparkle Motion. Yes, the Sparkle Motion. So she was very happy. I finally saw the film because one of her favorite <laughs> reactions is, or one of her favorite things to say is, "I seriously, I'm starting to doubt your commitment to Sparkle Motion." Uh-huh. Anytime <laughs> for various, and that's and uh, she's always like, "Oh, frock! I forgot you haven't seen Donnie Darko." But yeah. now I've seen it, so I get those jokes. Now you get it. Uh, also, she likes to say "chut up" every once in a while <laughs> as a way to end the insult chain okay uh, now you get it now yeah you can, now you can so rip many, on it now so it doesn't many inside it. jokes i know like it's no longer the last the final straw on the chain yep final we- straw on the camel's back what the dude i'm cut, turning into my mother are you a in a very receiver? specific way because i remember as a kid thinking why is my mother not able to get like she would talk about the hunt for october and she would like say like it's the search for blue november or whatever it's like approximately right yeah. and she do that names and places and the fucking food she'd order and i'm like what is this it's happening to me you know why why because you have 40 years of stuff in your i brain. don't think everyone does that i feel like i'm uniquely susceptible to this mm. word salad bullshit and it's kind of frightening brain worms you have <laughs> you have hookworms in your brain mad cow that's what Danny, yeah. Danny Crane always said in Boston Legal. Got Mad Cow. So I'll start telling people. <laughs> I got, the mad hey, cow. fuck off. I got Mad Cow. Yep. Talking to the man of the disability. Uh, okay. What were we saying? Let, let's talk a little bit about the family now that okay. we're talking about the sister. Because, like, all of their, their family is very distinctive, I feel. Like, their dad is one of those guys who, you know, does his work, then comes home and kind of drinks and watches sports with his buddies. And yeah. It's kind of not oblivious. They I mean, he like sees cool what's parents. going on. His dad seems cooler than his mom. His mom's very apathetic, very, um, I almost see like, we're, we're at some point going to have to get into the overarching themes of this movie, uh, to talk specifically to talk about his mom because she seems very over it and jaded and, but kind of sad that she's jaded, like self. self see, why do you feel that way? Cause the things that she's fed up with, I feel like I would be fed up with too. Right, but she seems like she's given up, like she's powerless oh. to even combat them in any kind of way. Um, and, and it happens, like, especially after Donnie gets smashed by the jet engine, she's just out leaning on a tree smoking, like, yep, this is another one, another thing in a series of bad things that have gone wrong in life. And I don't know. That's I feel just like how the world is. I'm not willing to ascribe to her character traits that could easily be described, uh, explained by trauma. Like, I feel like if that happened to me, right, where I've got a son who's schizophrenic and he's in therapy and he wandered off and something hit his bed and you're thinking like, well, I guess, thank God he's crazy. But, you know, it's like, I feel like you'd get a thousand yard stare about something like that. I think That's I a- would describe her as coping with reality in her own way. Yeah. And like, but that, and, and everyone in this movie is, yeah. and I, I think 
Yeah. Like there, there's a generational thing here too, because I, I think one of the overarching themes is kind of the futility of life as mm-hmm. a human being, you know, you're born, you're going to die. Uh, nothing you do really matters in a cosmic existential sense. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the, the thing that Johnny Darko is wrestling with the entire movie, like yeah. philosophically. Yeah. Uh, and the thing that kind of leads him down the path of discovering the philosophy of time travel and all that. Uh, I view the mom as kind of a post Darko person where she has kind of realized the futility of it all. And like she was a teenage Donnie Darko. Now she's grown right, up. Right. And, and so she's like the older version of Donnie Darko where she's just like, well, this is life and I'm just going to live out the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, and Donnie Darko is actively struggling with this idea. He's growing up. And I, I think this is a metaphor for, you know, puberty and and growing up and like just the whole the whole package there of humanity uh and then his sister his little sister is an interesting generation here because she's throughout the movie portrayed as very like very innocent you know she's just carefree she's running around just having a good time she's doing her dance thing in sparkle motion that's all she cares about because she hasn't yet got to the point where she's cognizant. She makes of, those realizations of the existential absurdities of life. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, They're all in different phases of the same continuum because I feel like and, that and is. I think there, there's stuff to, to back this up. Like the way Donnie Darko treats his little sister is, you know, you know he's there to kind of help her along sometimes, but he's also a complete shit to her in most respects. That's brother and sister. Sure. Right. And, and you can see like this innocent little girl when she's, at the bus stop is is being the bully right she's mm-hmm. she's calling the fat girl fat yeah um she's she's being a little shit and i i feel like she doesn't quite understand the consequences of her actions yet whereas donnie darko is starting to well the other thing is i feel like donnie darko's depiction of an intelligent uh and socially mature teenager and yeah. the curse of that is that you are just surrounded by fucking insane idiots right now, some of them will grow out of their insanity. Sure. Some of them will grow out of their ignorance and stupidity, mm-hmm. but most of them don't grow out of all of it. And it's like one of those things where it's you just waiting. Like, I, you know, God, I feel like I'm so, I'm such an asshole by saying this, but I identify that because I was, you know, above average maturity and intelligence. And that's what all the fucking adults told me all the time, which set a lot of oh. pressure on a little <laughs> set of shoulders. But I felt like that the whole time is like, Jesus Christ, I am in an insane asylum. Okay. Which probably also didn't help my social status because I'm inherently looking down upon these people. And I wasn't uh, emotionally mature enough to conceal it or have any other social, like I've developed a sense of humor as a way to ward this shit off because I can make wry, sarcastic observations, but it's, oh, he's so funny instead of this guy's a fucking cocksucker. Sure. So I, I feel like that. There's when you when you come to this realization that you've the the, the universe is meaningless, right? Mm-hmm. There's two reactions you can take away from that. One is, uh, well, then I get to define my own meaning, and it's kind of a liberating thing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's just as intellectually valid to be like, well, literally nothing matters. Yes. I can sink into a depression and to yeah. a nihilism, and, and that's, that's where Donnie Darko goes, and that's going to define my life. And like I said, yeah. it's like I don't know what. When you're balancing on the edge of that philosophical knife, I don't know which side you fall, why you fall on one side or another. Is it an inherent optimism or cynicism? I don't know, but I feel like I looked at Donnie Darko as almost a tragedy of of that sort of view because, like, he does come down on the nihilistic sort of edge of that. Right. Whereas I come down on the, yeah, it's all bullshit, but 
you can enjoy the ride. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you don't have any meaning in the moment. So right. have fun with it. Um, right. I, I don't know. That's just where I come down. Maybe it is like an innate sort of optimism. Maybe it's, right. maybe it's just, it's not nature. It's nurture. Maybe it's or my environment. I grew up in was one of an optimistic nature. But see, that's to the point where that has had is ingrained in me. That gets you know? me to the other thing that makes me feel haunted about this movie as a as a as a uh, parent, mm-hmm. because, you know, I think that and again, Jesus Christ, I sound like such a conceited asshole, but I feel like I'm an interesting person. OK, OK. Um, and And i would like to raise an interesting person i think most people feel the opposite i certainly do you feel like you're not i feel like i'm just a rando nobody yeah huh huh i don't know i think most people feel that way okay well see now i feel like a now you're an elitist asshole i've I've got i got plenty of self-loathing and other don't 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 you worry i got plenty but it's (laughs) and i I, I feel like i have a premium on raising an interesting person but i feel like there's another knife edge like the difference between madness and genius sure like interesting versus eccentric versus weirdo Mm -hmm. and i feel like donnie darko is on that and he's falling off onto the weirdo side of things right but like the thing he can't deal with it i don't think he can cope with the madness right but like he's also got these like i i hope one day i'm called into school because my son has told off some fucking douchebag like a patrick swayze Uh like and i love the parents reaction where they're trying to take it serious because it's coming from a school official and they're talking yeah. about it in serious, but they're secretly kind of proud and amused that their son was able to let the air out of this blowhard. Right. But that's something I worry about. It's like, man, like the fine line between being an interesting person that's funny and people generally like, and the one that's kind of a isolated weirdo is so hard. And like, I don't, I, you know, I don't know. And, and all teenagers are kind of weirdo, especially the interesting ones. So it's like, there's going to be a period of time where I'm like worried for my son that he's going to be too weird and he's going to be too right. not fitting into his peers. And <laughs> I know how bad that sucks. Well, here's what's really going to bake your noodle. Yeah. Do you even have any choice in how you raise or your son? How, I mean, but you just, you that's the thing is a nature versus nurture. Like some of this stuff he gets genetically. Right. And, and of neither of these are gets... choices, nature or nurture, right? You're just thrust into the situation you yeah, are. Yeah, the way I'm nurturing is by my nature, and I've tried to inform myself and go into this thinking. But I've realized, like, I remember when he was a baby, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is the generation of Hubbards. <laughs> that's going to have it all figured out. Gonna and be he's going to have like... all the possible advantages, and I'm going to do things right as a father. And my, you know, it's like it's I, I saw this struggle of like you know violence and ignorance in my family and that every generation has gotten a little bit further and i'm like oh maybe i'm on the 10 yard line and my son will get the touchdown and now i realize fuck no i'm like there's subtle things i'm fucking up and there's things that i right. can't that that you know and then there's things that he's got genetically just like me that i i can't control and i was having this full-blown moment the first time i was watching donnie darko in the middle of this other fucking crazy film like i was having this other yeah internal drama i am i definitely was too and i wonder if like because like i feel like as as teenagers and 20 somethings you're not thinking about that but i wonder if there's any others i would love to know if there's any other 40 or 50 somethings with with preteens or teenagers right that see this film and that's all they're like oh jesus like i've got this interesting cool person i'm trying to raise but what if i'm fucking them up Sure, but I, I think this this movie is much more from the perspective of someone being in it, right? Like of your your son, 
or, right. or me as a teenager watching it as as a 20 something trying to figure out life yeah and trying to figure all all this crazy this mad world out yeah uh and and just you know that a lot of people come down and and i think you know roberta sparrow realizes like has some insight into it she's another donnie darko obviously uh and and it's driven her mad right like yeah this knowledge this this knowledge of these tangent universes and like whether or not you believe she was a living receiver at some point uh this knowledge has driven her insane and i think Uh that that's what it would have done with donnie darko had he not killed himself or or been killed yeah depending on how you view it Uh uh-huh uh and and this movie is smattered with different ways that people deal with the reality that we live in right like there's drugs um he he starts off being medicated you know it's it's placebo it turns out but maybe it's not in the real universe i don't know maybe maybe it's not even a placebo maybe that's something she told him to get him closer closer to the living receiver's goal do you of think this film these universes. is aggressively anti mental health uh no i don't think I, it intends to be but i think the side effect just like uh fight club is unintentionally like almost fascist um i feel like that this film is almost unintentionally aggressive like if i'm a teenager or a young person and i'm watching this i see that essentially madness is glamorized and the health per- i mean this therapy stuff uh, this is like the, and he, I get it that she's part of the manipulated living, right? But as a surface level, she's just a terrible therapist. Uh, I would say she comes closest to giving him any kind of real help, huh? Because I don't think medication was would have done it for him. I don't think it, the other forms of coping with with our existence in the form of like God or suicide or straight up apathy. Um, I don't think any of those things would have done it for him. Huh. Okay. I, I think all of those things are in there and they're not there to say any one of these things is particularly wrong. It's just to show how people deal with the existential crisis of being a human. Yeah. <laughs> in a universe that doesn't give a shit about you. Right. Uh, <laughs> some people turn to God and I think in the end, Donnie Darko turns to suicide. Okay. Uh, which, you know. Suicide I, by I don't suicide for. by causality loop, <laughs> right, right. But you know, suicide in the actual the primary universe because he comes back and I think he just chooses to die there for all the reasons we stated before. Yeah. Um. And and I think you know his mom and dad are fall into the apathy thing where you know uh, they they realize the universe is the way it is and that's how it's going to be. So, but but they can't quite like enjoy it. Uh-huh. They're just there until it ends. Uh kind of zombies in in their own sort of way. Right. Uh I don't know. It's it's an interesting movie. I've got some other stuff. There's a lot of stuff about choice and predestination, how your con- your actions affect other people, um and the consequences of those. And it's reflected in the this this fat girl. I I don't know what to call fat people who feel bad about being fat without insulting them. Uh, she's clearly made out to be the fat girl at school. Yeah. Like, I guess I don't have a problem. I was speaking as the, the weight challenged. <laughs> Is that what I'm supposed to say? I don't find if like people like, I guess the, the, the reason like fat, those more a, affected by gravity, like fat becomes <laughs> a slur. Fat becomes a slur when there's malicious intent behind it. If it's just a descriptor. I don't think it's a problem. Okay. 
And, you know, I, I, unless you're about to spew a bunch of hate against fat people, I think you'll be all right. I'm not. I mean, Donnie... As your fat friend, I say it's okay for you to call okay. people fat. Uh, just promise me it'll be okay. You, you'll be, you'll turn out all right. Yeah. Uh, but that's what he says to this fat girl, right? Like he's trying to influence this universe in a positive way, even though he doesn't really see it as meaningful. Like okay. he, he's trying to to show this girl that she doesn't have to feel so bad about herself, and like his actions have consequences. Uh huh. In that regard. What is this? Whereas his sister is like oblivious to that. Yeah. But what did you make of the fact that she was wearing earmuffs? Uh, Did you see? I I was wondering if there's any symbolism there. Like something about her being closed, like trying to protect herself from the universe. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. Whereas Donnie Darko is all about becoming open to the universe. Mm hmm. I don't know. I, I, this could be reading too much, but I don't know that you can be accused of reading too much into any part of this movie. Yeah, I mean, thematically, there, there's a lot there, and plot-wise, there's uh-huh. a lot there. So I'm, I'm willing to explore all options here. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, like, I, I wonder how much Donnie is, you know, a product of, of that, nur- that nature, or, or nurture versus nature, that the nature of his existence, you know, like the, the circumstances he finds himself in. Because at one point he says... That he went to jail for something, um, and he got held back in school. He can't drive until he's older than the rest of the kids, and so he feels like an outcast. Yeah, uh, and in a lot of ways, I identified with that too. Just being the weirdo at school, right? Sure. Because um, I had a a very strange childhood uh-huh. by by normal standards, uh, and and that's why I feel like later on when he tells this fat girl, "You're just tell me you're going to be okay. Promise me you're going to be okay." He's trying to tell her that this stuff doesn't matter that much, right? Right. Because in the the bigger cosmic sense, none of it matters. So so don't get too hung up on it. Yeah. But then like Donnie kills himself at the end, so I'm not sure <laughs> what his exact point is other than to maybe just spread a little bit of of good cheer, a little bit of help before he goes. Yeah. To the people who are going to stick around. Yeah, I don't know. That's the other part where like I'm not. I don't see how the shut up girl uh, fits in exactly with the themes of the movie. Other than it's just, um, like people don't aren't practicing open cruelty to Donnie Darko because it seems like he could have he could beat these guys' asses if he had to. Yeah, right. Uh, he maybe he he stands up like he seems like he's not too worried. Whereas and he's he's a he's not a good target for cruelty where these this one girl is a convenient target and outlet for that cruelty for it's so so it's another way for him to experience the cruelty of the world in a way that he can't himself experience Hmm. okay you know it's like i none of these guys can say anything to hurt me but they can say things to hurt her and i see that and it's 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 a state of it's it's yet another state of injustice because there's there's this line in the movie uh, i don't know what the context was but i wrote it down something about um uh, tolerating of casual cruelty. Okay. Um, I don't know. Shit. I wish I'd. I'd I wish I'd put the character's name that said these because my my usual method of notes works, but uh, where I just take stream of consciousness, like sentence dialogue, remind me. But there's so many characters in here, and this is such a crazy mind bender of a movie that is letting me down. Yeah. Um, some like garden variety cruelty is tolerated by necessity. Um, and that that's something that Donnie is incapable of doing. 
like the yeah. whole go along get along right right and there's a lot of of you know fear uh mixed up in that he, he comments on fear and choice a yeah. lot um yeah and that that came about like because this was a result of like uh, someone comes up to gretchen and says like didn't your dad like stab your mom mm-hmm. like such a huge escalation into social like that would never happen as an adult or if or if if an adult did that in a work stay in place, like you have three or four people like, what the fuck? Yeah. What is wrong with you? Whereas in high school, a person can say that and not be challenged ever. Sure. Sure. It's that's, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what point I'm trying to make there other than garden variety cruelty is tolerated well, because, because if okay. you go and, and if, because if you go and, and leap to the person's defense, your fear is that, uh, then you're going to be the target of that. And I don't know why. Why is it that we just don't tolerate that in the adult world? Uh, because you get fired? Like like in school, all like there are probably types of assholes that are that dramatic and they probably do go for the throat, but you, everyone decides like they're not going to be friends with them and they're not going to let them be employed. So by the time you're in your 30s, it's very rare to come across to that person unless, I guess, like that's why it's so annoying to go to like large public places like beaches and concerts because, oh, fuck, now I got to deal with these assholes again. Whereas in yeah. school... There is no filter. Everyone has to fucking go, regardless of whether you are a, you know, a a a social recluse or whether you're a sociopath. You all have to go to school. So it's kind of like a prison environment where people don't. I bet prisons another place where people don't leave to others defenses. Right. It's and you much band more together in tribal social like schools. Fucking I don't know why we do school the way we do. It's so weird. I don't. I don't know how else you do it. I mean, these kids are trying to figure out how to coexist, right? I don't know. Maybe you need more supervision because, like, one adult for every 30 kids just lets too much shit go in the sap in the shadows. Or, I mean, maybe more social guidance. I mean, the... Or maybe the, social, you separate the kids by, uh, you know, uh, but social aptitude. I don't, but then you got a class full of animals and a class full of scholars. What do you, right. I mean, it seems like it's like, well, it's a blend, get the ratio of 50, 50. So it's tolerable for everybody. I, I don't know, but school, like public school, it seems like, well, I, I don't know how you do it better, but poof, there's sure a lot that, uh, you know, my experience and it seems like it hasn't much change from my son's experience. Uh, seems like there's a whole lot of room for improvement. Yeah. I mean, from what I remember in my experience, there wasn't a whole lot of social guidance. It was more around just trying to teach these kids facts. Maybe that's what it is. Like the, the, and there's the, a school counselor, but it's always kind of seen as weird to go to the school counselor. Well, like, the other thing is you can't teach social conscience because that's, you're going to have parents that are offended. Sure. Yeah. Like what are you, you know, it's like a, even if it's something like, uh, and know. that's the thing that, you know, the, the English teacher is trying to teach in this, right. In this And she gets movie. blown up for it. Right. And she gets fired for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's trying to actually give these kids a real world education. What did you think about these books? What do yeah. they, what do they make you feel? Right. Whereas everybody else is just trying to shove facts down your throat. But yeah. conspicuously. Right. The, and you can't the health and personal growth, right? Like right. she has relabeled health class as health and personal growth. In and my she's head also canon. filling your head full of nonsense. Right. And bullshit and psychobabble and bullshit. And she's not concerned with what you think about it. She's wanting to just, 
preach to you. Right. Which I think that would have gotten her in trouble too. But that's the thing. Like in school, you can't teach religion and you can't really teach morality. Mm hmm. So what you end up having is like this really Darwinistic society, yeah, it's a, it's <laughs> Lord a, of the Flies. It's a content dump. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I it's interesting. Like this idea of predestination and choice, which is a big thing in this movie that we haven't really talked about. And it's you know it's approached from a very like I, I'll say this is a thirty plus year old person, a very rudimentary philosophy one hundred and one standpoint, right? Like. Uh-huh. Am, do I have free will? It's the most basic question that anybody asks in philosophy. Uh-huh. And it's one that I don't think we have a good answer to. And the movie doesn't really try to, to say one way or another. Right. But I think Donnie Darko does, in fact, have a choice. And he exercises it. And and maybe in this one moment, it's it's almost kind of a universe out of time in that respect. Where, like, he sees... God's path, for lack of a better term, that's what he calls it, uh, in the form of these abyss graphics for everyone else. And then he sees his own. And he's able to, at some point, step out of it and say, I'm making a conscious choice. I think him at the end But that's the is first time in the whole film. Right. It's the, and it's the only opportunity he will ever have huh. in this tangent universe when he is the living receiver and he can make a conscious choice to do a thing. Yeah. Once he delivers the artifact to the, to the rift, he is a, a, a yeah. free moral agent and he chooses to die. And he's gotten a true glimpse into the future with, with this jet engine falling on his house, right? He knows right. this is going to happen. Then he has a choice Are of we, whether or not to let it kill him. Why do we assume and he chooses that, so to why, let it kill him? Why do we assume like, isn't it an, a per, another perfectly valid assumption uh, that Donnie Darko has no memory of the Tangent Universe at the point that he dies. I don't think so. I mean, the way he, so he your reacts is that to he it. laughs. Yes. Yeah. But he also is a schizophrenic, right? So he could have just been. Well, having... he may or may not be a schizophrenic. Like, yeah, he's, he's existing in a Tangent Universe. That much I think. In fact, is factual. he's under ther- He's under medical supervision. Um, that that happened before that happens before the tangent universe right oh yeah he's, been I mean, like, he's so, already in it and but, i think but it's on, on parents, the other hand, it way, seems like it just started because the, if i feel like that the therapist had seen him for a few sessions and she brings him in and says i think this is what's going on with your son although on the other hand it could be that she'd been seeing him for months and then since the tangent universe started his symptoms have upticked and he's gotten much worse yeah i mean we're we're introduced to the therapist in a way that says this has been going on for some amount of time, whether it's a long time or a short time, it doesn't matter. Uh, in the primary universe, he is, he is in therapy. Okay. And I think that's his parents trying to help him cope with his problems with life, yeah. his problems with existence. You know, like, like he's had a troubled life. He got sent to jail early on for something, and it's irrevocably changed him and his interactions with other people. Yeah. And he feels different because of that. And they're trying to help him through therapy. But now he's in a tangent universe right. and all that is kind of out the window. Yeah. And so I thought that was an interesting performance by their parents. The way they played that, finding out about that, your, your, something like that with your son because or your your child. Because it's it's a weird. It's like, you know, you want the best for your child. And if you find out that they've got some kind of disease, it's going to limit their quality of life. Or, you know, some kind of mental illness that's going to make life like if you find out your yeah. kid's bipolar, it's like that's got to be really kind of crushing. Like, you know, love them any less, but it's like, God, your life just got harder. Right. You're going to have to take medicine and you're going to have to do this. and You have to be 
eternally vigilant against your own mind mm-hmm. uh, to keep on an even keel, something that most people take for granted. It's And that's other thing is about mental illness is that, you know, you see a kid in a wheelchair uh, or you see an adult in a wheelchair. It's like you kind of know it's like, OK, well, this person's got these limitations. And whereas, you know, a person could be really struggling with life, but they look entirely healthy and normal, which is one of the mind fucks about the mental illness. Sure. Like it's not a yeah. visible affliction, yet it's also real. Um, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I kept on having swinging between the sci-fi and philosophy and just like the kind of like heavy elements of life. The movie was serving up. I feel like we've trained our whole podcasting lives to, to do this movie. <laughs> okay. You want to talk about philosophies of the mind. Right. You want to talk about time travel. You want to talk psychology and religion. Fucking bring it because the, this the movie's doing is, it all. Like, so seeing it as a 20 something, it was very satisfying because I was struggling with the same issues that Donnie was. Sure. Seeing it as a 30 something, I'm going like, well, Donnie, Don, there's no answers. Uh-huh. You're not going to get the answers you're looking for. And there's no answer as to whether or not there may in fact be an answer to this but we don't know what the answer is yet but are is your path predetermined can you get off the path is there any way to combat predestination we don't know we don't know if it's a thing or not but go with it because that's all there is in existence and that's what adds the spice to me because i'm in a situation where i'm starting to have these conversations with my son right and i'm like I can't really like the full truth is horrifying in a cosmic like Lovecraftian sense. It's very, it, but it it's can also be depressing. Sure. Yeah. But it's also like, you know, uh, it's also something they kind of have to figure out themselves. I don't, it's like very the matrix. Like, like you can't be told yeah. the truth about the universe uh, because I feel if, if people try to cram it down your throat, you know, uh, it's just as likely to blow up in your face and they're going to reject it because, you know, your old, you know, your old man's got to be stupid. Right. Uh-huh. So I don't know. It's like, that's the thing. Like, I guess it added that extra element to me. Cause now it's like, it's one thing to want to say like, Oh, well, what do you tell Donnie Darko as a 30 something or a 40 something? But when it's your kid, like what do you tell your kid about the nature of life and the meaning of the universe and the cosmic realities? If they ask you, I, uh, shit i don't know that's just right right so <laughs> i don't even know what to tell myself about it i know it's uh some everyone's got to figure out themselves yeah Oy. uh there's there's a little bit more about this the the speech that he gives at the end or the little little monologue the narration he says I, I hope that when the world comes to an end i can breathe a sigh of relief because there will be so much to look forward to uh i think this is him saying i hope that i can accomplish my mission as a living receiver and set right this tangent universe. Uh, but I think it's also him saying beyond this, uh, I, I want to see what's beyond life. And, and that's one of the th- reasons I think he chooses to kill himself here or chooses to let himself die. Rather, uh, he's saying that there's much to look forward to beyond the end of the world. And for him, I think the end of the world is both the, the tangent universe and his existence. Uh-huh. And I think he's yeah. searching for some greater meaning beyond it all. Hmm. Uh, which, you know, is a fairly fitting way to end this movie. I think we all kind of are searching for the meaning of life. It's just Donnie chooses a certain path to, of discovery. Let's right. say. And there you get with your free will argument. Yeah. If you say he's manipulated up to that point and he's seen all this crazy fucked up stuff, like, 
that's information that's been introduced by the universe into evidence that wasn't there before. So mm-hmm. even in the end, did he really have a, did, was that a, was that a decision that Donnie Darko 30 days ago would have made? And if not, yeah. then he still doesn't have free will, does he? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a fair question. I mean, that, that's one of the major themes of this movie. And I don't, I, I feel like with the idea of time travel and tangent universes and all this stuff, they're trying to say to me that Donnie Darko is an anomaly in the universe and that he can, in fact, make this one choice. Do you think there's anything symbolic in the fact that after he survived this incredible, uh, you know, like the, the, the fact that the airplane engine almost killed him in the tangent universe, that he immediately started, like I noticed that every scene that he, in after that, he wasn't wearing a seatbelt and no. he also immediately started smoking. Is that foreshadowing the fact that he is going to choose suicide? Like he's essentially trying to chase death from that point. And as soon as his mission's accomplished, he's like, all right. Doesn't line up with the fact that he was laughing when he died, but. Uh, that's, I didn't really notice that. So I don't have any analysis. On okay. It. Sorry. <laughs> that was like the, literally the next scene, his dad's taking him to school. He's not wearing a seatbelt when he's at the crosswalk waiting for the school huh. bus or whatever. A kid offers him cigarettes. And that's clearly like the, I think the first time he smoked. Okay. I got that impression. I don't know. Right. Right. Uh, can I ask you, here's the thing that I kept wondering as I was reading about this movie and thinking about it. How in the fuck did Richard Kelly come up with this? <laughs> like, did it start with a nightmare about this rabbit face? And like, cause this is just so out know. there and so not like, it's a solid sci-fi concept, but it's got his own mythos and religion. And it does. Yeah. Like, that's why I call it. And fantasy he was so too. fucking young. Yeah, he banged this out, which means he had to come up with it years before. Who rolls out of like college? Like, let's say I think Donnie Darko does. 20, he's, yeah, that's I what, think he is Donnie Darko. Do you in a think? Lot of ways. I wonder how autobiographical this biographical this was. Then I think it's probably pretty on point with with the way he feels. You know, I don't think Richard Kelly lives in a tangent universe at any point, but no, but like that the was feelings kinda, that he has. I think are embedded in this movie. Do you think Pretty this thoroughly. is a story he told himself as a teenager to make life make sense? And then like, I, I'm, I'm just, I mean, it's, I think it's a Nolan and Inception and Memento and all that stuff. But Memento is kind of based on like, oh, what if a guy had to solve a murder? And like the pitch is a lot easier. It's, it's a one sentence. Right. So what if a guy had to solve a murder and he has to complete short term amnesia? Yeah. Donnie Darko is how do you give the elevator pitch? Uh, I don't think it's actually that hard. Okay. Give it uh, to me. What's the one sentence? There's a kid who's pulled into a rift in time and he is the chosen one who has to set the rift right in order okay. to save the primary universe. Like, All right. It's a pretty short pitch. If you want to stick only to the plot. Okay. Uh, now create the mythos around it. There's a book, Philosophy of Time Travel, and a woman, Roberta Sparrow, who wrote it, and she's gone insane. And like, there's this chain of causality that's going to cause you to murder someone. It's going to go back in time, and with and this Donnie can see these and, things, and like, yeah. It, so once you expand it beyond the elevator pitch, it becomes a much more interesting thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't speak for Richard Kelly, but if I were looking at it, I would say, okay, here's here's something that maybe reflects the world we're living in Mm -hmm. and a single character. Uh, These, well, okay. Actually multiple characters, Roberta Sparrow, 
the this knight from the past, whatever, uh-huh. and Donnie Darko, who are able to make uh, these once in a lifetime choices. Huh. Okay. Uh, on, on the path that can save. It's tough to say. Yeah, it really is. Uh, as far as like, is this maybe a psychotic vision and not in fact time travel or parallel universes? Uh, I think there are a couple things that lend themselves to this not being true. First of all, um, Gretchen waving to Donnie Darko's mother in the end, uh, to me says that she has knowledge of, or, or at least feels some weird kind of connection to Donnie and his family. I don't think anyone has any knowledge, but they have some kind of like, uh, <laughs> Louis CK has got this skit about, you know, how you could be completely cruel in like a casual sense to a baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, like not not neglect neglect them, but say hateful things to them all the time. And he's like, you know, and they would never know. And it's like, right. yeah, they grow up with this sadness inside, but they wouldn't know why. <laughs> and it's like, I feel like that is like they've had these profound emo- these the emotional impact is there, but they don't know why. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know, but you also could explain that as this Gretchen like seeing this woman who's extremely sad, and you know they've heard in a neighborhood that the you plane could, hit him, yeah. and she's just kind of like it's an empathy wave. <laughs> But I think after watching this movie, I'm not going to argue. You have license to read into it. I that's the thing. Like I'm, I don't want to fall in the trap of totally agreeing with your analysis and leaving something out because yes, that's what I thought too. Right. I think that's the whole point of the uh, uh, the goddamn what's the song called? The Mad World. I think that's the whole song. The point of the Mad World montage is these people all coming to grips with the things that happen. Like the fact that Patrick Swayze is sobbing, mm-hmm. is he sobbing because he's a child molester or is he sobbing because he's got this, like this dread and, and fear inside of him about the lifestyle because he, in the alternate timeline, the, the shadow of his experience where his house burnt down and he got brought up on charges. Right. is still on him. Yeah. I think he's feeling or a little bit of residual. pedophiles do just randomly break down and cry because I believe that too. That's, Right. I mean, we we have talked in the past about the the unfortunate position you're put in if you if you live a life where you are attracted to children. Yeah, sure. Right. It's it's that's a, it's a that's tragedy a, in its own right. If that's a if that's a sexual it, and it's a, granted it's a, if I I don't I don't, sure. I don't but it yeah. seems to me that this is a bio this is some kind of uh, sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. But and whether um, it's nature or nurture, I don't it, know. It doesn't matter. And it but, doesn't ultimately matter. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, um, a lot of things you could say about this. Jesus is going to be super offensive. But uh, a lot of things that you could say about or the people said about gay people in the past. Mm-hmm. See if I can make sure it's not offensive. Um, you know, it's like or a lot of the arguments you could say about the reason like, you know, gay people are always saying like, this isn't a choice. This is this is my nature is because like it was so bad to be a gay person as far as how people treated you and the social stigma. Yeah. Why the fuck would you ever just choose to be attracted to a man? If you're, and I feel like sure. the same thing with pedophiles yeah. only supercharged. Like if you could choose a different sexual orientation, this is something you've cultivated. Why the fuck would you do that? So if it is a nature thing, it's the one sexual orientation where it's not. And I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not trying to move the over into the window. I'm saying it's impossible for you to ever consummate because right. you're attracted to children which cannot give consent yeah. and are not sexual or not emotionally, psychologically, or physically prepared for sex. Right. And so then the tragedy of is it pitiable it people is uh, like Mick Jagger. You can't get no satisfaction. I mean, sure. 
if if that's what does it for you and society yeah. tells you that's completely wrong yeah sorry you're just never going to be satisfied unless you want to abuse children yeah uh, unless you're okay like saying my satisfaction is worth child abuse yeah uh, which, you know, we, we don't agree as a society. Sure. Uh, and, but you can look at it like, let's not, if you want to take it out of the context of like sexuality, you can look at someone like a Steve jobs or a bill Gates, these extremely driven people, right? Sure. Are they, are they products of their nature and their nurture? I would yeah. say yes, just as much as, uh, a child molester is, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, it's it's just that one is frowned upon by society, the other is well, not. Well, even that, like Steve they Jobs. They were fortunate enough to be born with things that are advantageous in this society. But not fully, because, you know, Steve Jobs is lionized and everybody loves him, but by all accounts, he was a Absolutely. terrible father. Sure, yeah, and, and, and a huge asshole, and, like, there were people who certainly hated him. But we overlooked overlook that because they have these things that we do like to lionize. And, and it certainly helped him uh in his business endeavors right sure like he he was a genius by all accounts in that regard and same with bill gates so like those are just different aspects of of being a human that they happen to be endowed with whereas child molesters get the opposite end of the spectrum societally it's just a single bad card with no upside right so like I, i don't know it's tough but uh what what are the other like I think maybe Frank's drawings indicate that it's not actually just uh, a vision that Donnie Darko is seeing because if it were just a vision how would he know about Frank how would he know about the bunny how yeah like, why would those, he be seeing those these are things, things that this that, guy drew and then the POV is crucial because if we saw those things from Donnie Darko's POV then but right. these, this seems like an omniscient pov where yes. we're just seeing real events happening i mean we can't see it from donnie darko's pov he's dead at that point right we can't go out into his front yard and see that from his pov unless it's some Wait, kind of is he dead because I, I thought the mad world montage is when he puts the the artifact back and so he's a sets the tangent universe but the end of uh-huh. the mad world mon- montage doesn't he laugh in his bed and get smashed or does he get smashed? No, and then I think the he gets smashed montage. and then the montage happens God because his mother think like, watching this twice would be enough because it's uh, most of it is like the paramedics uh, milling about outside and like fire, yeah, fire people, okay, fire, okay. fire people. That's what they're called. Fire people. Uh, and his mom leaning up against a tree, smoking, being okay, sad about his death. Like, gotcha. It's afterward. So, like, it, it couldn't be his perspective unless it's, unless it's an after death perspective, and we're seeing a cosmic Donnie Darko floating about. Yeah, which maybe we are. I don't know. Yeah, the fact that she's leaning up against a tree and smoking, um, you you're talking about her mental state, their marriage reminds me a lot of, like, uh, the one on, um, ah, goddamn, Rick and Morty. Okay. Uh, what was it, Jerry and... Sure, yeah. Because, like, there's this one point in the movie where she tells him, I want a divorce, mm-hmm. and there's, like, this beat, and then they both just crack up hysterical laughing, which I thought, that's... That felt like a pretty genuine moment. All right. You know, I can uh, see. Sure. I mean, I'm, I don't think I've ever been in that situation, but I feel like that's something I could relate to. Okay. Like, you know, it's not going to happen. And what's the point anyway? Well, so. plus they just did to get such a good job of like painting these portraits in such a small amount of screen time that by the time we got that, like I was, I felt like, yes, that's exactly the reaction these people would have. Yeah. So but I don't know exactly why, like, why was that funny? 
the fact that you would want to divorce you're this late in life and you got these in like you right. want a divorce in the middle you're so deep in it and like yeah it's like are you going to really what's like, what's out there for you if you like, do get a divorce like will it change anything you could do the like, same thing by saying uh, announcing that i don't love you anymore right and then it's like okay what does that matter <laughs> or like also it's like that's something i've known like for years but uh-huh. we know we're both not going to do it it's right. It's the unami of emotion. It was very hard to describe, but I I know I could detect it. It's a mouthfeel, a brain feel. <laughs> it truly is. Uh, okay, I don't know that I have much more to say about this. There are certainly more themes to explore, and I'm sure if the forums would be a great place to do that. Yeah, I mean, Hopefully there's like the, the one question discussion. that we haven't quite covered is like, where does the jet engine init- originate from? But it's another one of those things where mm. that's the big bang of this universe. You're not going to, I don't think there's enough information in the film, nor the supporting material. Why does the rift happen? Who knows? Right, what causes it? Yeah. But, like, you know, why, how does the jet engine actually manifest? And, and, mm-hmm. and why does that, that stuff, I don't know. What creates the tangent universe? What is there an intelligent force in the movies? Like, that stuff that can be debated, but I don't think there's enough information to answer. And ultimately, like, the sci fi of this movie is not what I'm, what I was interested in initially. And it's not what I'm interested in now. It's more the philosophy of it. Yeah. Cause it's, how do people deal with reality yeah. and existence? It says a lot in common with the leftovers that way. Yeah. The, like the plot where there it's grief. It's focused on yeah, grief. They Here don't it's bother. focused on yeah. pointlessness. Like on the, there's futility. A lot, there's a lot less even than this movie mechanical explanation for what's going on in leftovers. It's like way more. But the same yeah. thing where it's like when the first after I watched this movie the first time I thought oh the real hook here is the mechanics and the sci-fi element. But I think you're right. Going forward watching this again the real hook is going to be the the emotional themes yeah and i guess maybe the reason i i attribute this to like kind of low level philosophy like introductory philosophy is yeah. because i saw it so long ago and yeah. it seeped into what i view like my understanding of philosophy yeah, yeah in I a way that. that now i've kind of moved past okay and view it as rudimentary whereas a lot of people would just have their minds blown and i did too when i first saw it uh-huh Huh. So I'm not like trying to disparage if you think this movie is amazing and it certainly is like I'm not trying to disparage you when I say it's rudimentary and it's like fundamental basic philosophy. Everyone has a movie that blows their mind. Yeah. Hard. And it you'll you'll as you get older, that'll happen less and less frequently. And you'll, yes. you'll probably eventually have one that's like the all time mind blower mind bender and if that's like man if Zadie Darko was yours it's it's you're you're it's pretty good yeah it was like pretty the good Ma- to blow your mind I had seen the Matrix right and it's like ah god you know the Matrix and Donnie Darko influenced me a lot that's what I'm feeling like I feel like there's uh you know like Memento's up there for me uh the Matrix okay. is up there for me uh Dark City another one I remember hating Dark City but I don't remember what it was about dark at all Dark City is really fucking deep and, and it's, a, it's a city that's dark it's also it's, it's I think deep, I saw that maybe city. too young I maybe I don't remember what it was about though yeah um, but yeah there's definitely a Cosmos I think um, of course I was too mm, close minded yeah. to really have my mind blown in that movie in the beginning but no uh, so yeah I uh, do we have anything else we want to say no I'm good well, thank you again for lobbing us a softball, uh, Doctor Devito. Um, I, I, I hope you weren't too put off by our apology for <laughs> child molester. I mean, is that I for pedophilia? It wasn't apology. It's like apologize it, for it. It's it trying just, to understand, right? Achieve an understanding and have uh, some kind of sympathy. Yeah, and and uh, what what 
I don't know that anything good comes of it, but what the fuck? It's, it's, uh, you, you pay your money, it takes your chances. Is it empathy or sympathy? One is where you feel for them because you're in the same situation. I think pity is the sympathy. And I don't, yeah, I don't feel like I understand and like what it's like to be. No. But it's more like I, I pity them. So I guess I'm sympathizing. That would be a rough situation to, is that the one? to not okay. be able to healthily express, uh, your, your sexuality and your love. Um, anyway. Thank you once again, Dr. DeVito, for, for commissioning this podcast. We will be back uh, pretty soon with another one. If you would like to find out uh, what you or how to commission, God, I'm, my mind's completely been wrong by this movie. If you'd like to figure <laughs> out, if you'd like to find out, if you'd like to commission, if you'd like to do anything involving commissioning and films and Bald Move, go to baldmove.com slash shop, click on the big cinema wheel, and there is a cornucopia of options. You can either pay 10 bucks for a share of a commission with your fellow fans. We got a bunch of different fan voted selections. Or you can just pull one down yourself and, yeah. and make us watch whatever. And if you want to find out what's upcoming, go to baldmove.com slash commissioned dash podcast. And uh, we've got the whole list of them, the queue. I need to the go back to the catalog and add that as a link so people can track and see what else. Of, and because because also, oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. And he's going both. There's like a people sometimes ask what all of you commissioned. Yeah. And I'm like, well, go, you know, I need to make that a link to, to have all those tags. And then also looking at. We should probably collect that all in the one place. Probably. Uh, the next one, which is another noodle noodle bender, noodle mm. buster, I guess, is Magnolia. Right. Another one I haven't seen. Yeah. Uh, we got Lost coming up, too. We do. Curious to see how we, that's going to work. Yeah. It's, it's going to be an interesting run. Mm. What do we, for, so we got the Magnolia, few. then... Then Magnum P.I., which is going to be... <laughs> Magnum P.I. Less of a noodle buster. It's the mag month. The month of mag. Magnolia. Yeah, right. Magnum P.I. Then it's lost. Then seven. Then... I mean, just go look at the list. Holy it's, shit. It's, seven? Yeah. We have a real murderer's row of, of stuff coming up. Literally. So... Kevin Spacey <laughs> murdering people. Have seven. At least seven people. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, we will see you again... Uh, Have a good weekend, week, whenever this drops. Bye.